1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Portland, if you've ever wondered where to get your Blazers, Ducks, and Knees, it's right here on the airwaves of 1080. Danny, the fan with Danny and Dusty. It's Danny and Dusty and Rust
2: from noon till three. Hells yeah, it is! And this is our number three. You know, Jeff Rust sings that live every single day that that plays? It's just the music and he just sings. We just come here and sit down yeah. and we
3: watch him through the glass. Yeah, <laughs> he,
2: he just sings. And he does like this little sexy seductive dance and little rock with it. It's
3: good. We get the, the lights go dim and oh, you get a little flicker over in the back. And yeah. we, I'm telling you, we we need we, we talked about doing our, uh, our, our, our little group one. We, we still need to do that.
2: Yeah, we do. We,
3: we need to find the song. We need to make it happen. Well, I, songbirds of our generation
2: i'm good i don't uh you get
3: the harmonica get the little tone mm-hmm.
2: you guys can write the music you just uh you just show you tell me you when, when to be to there sing. yeah and, and when i need to bring my recorder are you oh.
3: if we do that you know it's going to have to be like to afternoon delight
2: it has to be uh hot cross, cross buns is all i can play <laughs>
3: <laughs> we can drop the recorder and we,
2: You you you're, you. When you're it's when, a yamaha recorder
3: when you oh it's not even ooh. it's a real recorder okay
2: it's my wife's. I no. don't know why she has it, but we have a Yamaha recorder. <clears throat> I'll bring in the school. guitars in We'll house. throw
3: some tracks over the top of it. Okay, sure. Um, see if I can dust off the old keytar from when I was a
2: kid. Mm, Are you, uh, is it a tie? Do, do,
3: you, do you know where, <laughs> your, where your voice kind of sits? You're a little bassier than I am.
2: I don't know. I'm a baritone. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Why are you looking at me like I've ever sang anything in my life? I mean, literally. I'm a a soprano, so. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Not for that reason. (laughs) Burying
1: bodies.
3: (laughs) 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 cement boots. All right. uh, So,
2: yeah. um, Local law enforcement, you can go and... Find Danny Meringue at three o'clock when the show ends. After what we went through last hour,
3: um, it's weird. My license doesn't match my address anymore.
2: The wh- why are you why are you saying these things? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> okay, uh, the trade deadline is uh, fifteen days away. We were talking earlier about. Um, the Chris Haynes report that the Blazers are listening to overtures from everybody. And look, there is, there is some real validity to the fact that people are calling on not just Nurk and Josh Hart, but whether it is, they're going to get calls for a a rookie in Shaden sharp or a guy on a, uh, on a deal that is palatable in Anthony Simons, a hundred million dollar deal. Everybody wants shooters right now and what is it going to take to prize somebody like Anna Way? everything is on the table except for damian Ali lillard yes. lillard and senior. that is senior yes sorry uh well junior too. we're not going to trade yeah. we're not going to trade dame junior i mean listen
3: if you if you want dame junior you you better be getting first team all nba here okay <laughs> fat uh, man is a treasure
2: uh, okay so we're looking at this in and saying all right well what does the trade market look like um, right now in the NBA, and the first deal that we saw come across the line was the Rui Hachimura deal going from Washington to the Lakers, and that it, it, it's a it's an important deal because it really is the first player of of value. It's
3: a gun popping because Gorji Jang was sent to the Spurs who played last night, yeah, uh, as part of a cash dump by the Celtics. What two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. That was kind of the unofficial f- official first deal, but Rui's the first time we've heard a name, and. Kendrick Nunn, who is basically salary ballast, and second round picks. That's just
2: three second round picks in Kendrick Nunn. Yeah.
3: It's 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 nothing, which is a good thing if you're looking to be a buyer.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because listen, the Toronto Star was reporting that the Raptors want three first round picks for OG Anobi. And they said that they have they have had that offer on the table. I don't believe it. <laughs> really? I do not buy it. <laughs> I do. Why wouldn't they have taken it? Yeah. This is, again, this is Danny Ainge. Well, if I would have known that, I would have given this from the, I mean, it is his playbook. He wrote it. Nobody does it better than him. Stop trying to be Danny Ainge. Stop. They, the only time they have ever, Messiah has ever orchestrated a deal of importance that was like, oh my God, they got one over, was Andrea Bargnani and James Dolan's an idiot.
2: Well, James Dolan's an idiot. Plays ninety percent of the time, it works every time.
3: Oh, no, that works one hundred percent of the time.
2: So here is here's the thing, though, about what Danny and the big difference between what Danny does and what Masayuri is doing is Angel. He says it publicly and off the cuff, mm-hmm. like you, and so you can hear him kind of nonchalantly say, "Well, hey, you know, uh, this is what it would be," and then it's like somebody catches and it's like, "Well, okay, what this report is." is like you're just reading it going, <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah, no, so after the fact, after Norm got dealt to the Clippers, I was told from a very reliable source that Danny said that, well, I would have given up Jordan Clarkson on a first-round pick. No, he wouldn't have. Because if that was the offer,
2: the Blazers would have
3: taken it. Yeah. like They wanted to mas- to massage salary.
2: Well, here, okay, but, but again, maybe maybe the Blazers never called on him then.
3: I would imagine they did. And because I, I know that the Jazz were a team that were interested in Norman Powell
2: mm-hmm.
3: last year before they blew this up as a last ditch effort. Okay. Because they wanted somebody maybe a little bit more defensive, because remember that was their issue is that the guards wouldn't play, blah, blah, blah. But it's always an after the fact situation. What you don't get from Danny Ainge during the trade season is anything other than leaks to reporters of like, the first it was Boston, now it's Utah. is interested in XY. Like right now, They've been linked to John Collins 18 different ways. And everybody is interested in Vanderbilt. Everybody's interested in Lowry. Everybody's interested in Malik Beasley. Because Danny fans those flames. But you don't get like what the asking price is other than it would take a lot for Utah to entertain Offer X. Yeah. With the Raptors, they have got that entire market. In their pocket, I need the Toronto Maple Leafs to be good again, so that I can stop hearing the, the, that media group peddle this crap. Because I'm just, it's, like, it's getting to the point of like, poop or get off the pot. Yeah, that, that's the difference. Is that even though Ainge does do the after the fact trades, you know what he do, you know what he does do? Trades. Yeah, that are massive, Big and ones. he wins every time. The Raptors, they don't do that. I'm not trying to undersell Masai. He's one of the best GMs in the league. Mm-hmm. He's very good. His team building, their title, all of, he's willing to take risks. with The whole Kawhi Leonard deal, Get trading off of Demar I mean, Derozan,
2: like that's huge. That was a big one. That was a that was a big swing that they took, and that that's a massive swing that they took. And they got rid of, they broke up their Dame and CJ, and they actually gave
3: away their Dame in that scenario.
2: Yeah, but they got better. Yes. They got better, exponentially better, because they got Kawhi Leonard. Because they got of the got best a players in the world. Yeah. yeah,
3: But Demar was beloved. But again, and like, well, they they took advantage of the, of the Spurs there. Yeah, they leveraged the situation that came their way. That's not Masai demanding X and getting Y.
2: You know, I think that one of the the more, hmm, and this is I'm not going to say it's like, hey, this is good to hear. But it's like it perks up your attention a little bit more. Is a willingness, and the more you hear about a willingness to make a big move again, the better it is for Portland. Yes, like, and I think the fans. We we are hearing that. It, it's not Neil O'Shea doing the. Well, he was a first round pick. It yeah, takes two sucks. to tango. Da, da, da. No, yeah, no, it Joe is, is entertaining this stuff, making and listening to overtures from other teams, and that's where that's what used to happen with Portland. Is that. You know, a, a team would call and mention CJ McCollum and then the conversation would end. It and wouldn't even get not, escalated to Neil. That is not how these big deals. And like one thing with Danny Ainge is that, hey, he's willing to make the small deal to lead to a big deal. And that's what you have to be able yeah. to do and willing to do. But uh, I just, after what happened last year, where we did have big moves last year at the trade deadline, I just see that this one is going to, it doesn't feel like because of the results of it. Which mm. the results weren't. It wasn't like it was an immediate I, boom. I want to.
3: I want I want to frame this for everybody who keeps holding on to the. I'll believe it when I see it. I will. But for for you, even this. <laughs> Thank you. Stop thinking about Neil.
2: I'm not thinking about. But Neil. I'm not just you. Like
3: I, yeah. I, the, the, you're, there's so many people that are prisoners to the last ten years. Joe Cronin, and this isn't me trying to gas up Joe. I'm going off of his record.
2: No, I'm talking about last, like the the NBA total, their trade deadline as a whole, not this team. I'm apprehensive that big moves across the league are going to happen because they usually don't. Last year was an anomaly. No, and
3: again, I'm talking about just in general when we're talking about the Blazers. Mm -hmm. Joe Cronin, and this is, again, this is not me like trying to carry water for him. I'm going off the results. Joe Cronin made more impactful deals in three different scenarios in six months than Neil Olshey did in ten years. <laughs> okay, he traded the guy that the other guy wouldn't trade, and got back what ended up being the results of C.J. McCollum and parts for Josh Hart, uh, Jeremy Grant, and workable cap space. Yeah, he got off of guys who were underperforming, who were overpaid. Robert Covington isn't playing in L.A. Norm, after a slow start, looks like he could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. But where are the Clippers? They took that money. They paid Anthony Simons. A third less than they paid C.J. McCollum. They tanked and got a top-ten pick for the first time since Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. Joe Cronin did all of this in six months. So people are like, why do you put so much faith? Why are you optimistic? Because the guy did more in six months than the other guy did in a decade. That's why. Okay. Okay. Does it mean he's going to get it right? No. But the one thing that I was screaming from the rooftops for seven years is, for the love of God, take a risk.
2: Yeah. I have a I have a question, though. <clears throat> the Clippers are starting to figure it out, and they've had health issues that have not <laughs> been related to uh, Norm.
3: Just Kawhi and Paul George, mm-hmm. the entire team.
2: Right? The- they are, we're seeing Norm potentially sixth man of the year. Which is what the vision of him coming to Portland would have been like, hey. If Joe was in an- charge,
3: he's your sixth man. But with Neil in charge, he was a starting small forward.
2: Yeah, and that was ridiculous. To That was like the the grand vision of, of what it could be and what he, he would be. Uh, he is now thriving. Uh, C.J. McCollum is thriving in the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. Currently, four-game losing streak, but... Uh, without Zion Williamson, uh, are were the top seed in the West for a while? They're one of the top four teams in in the Western Conference right now, and they're playing like it and pretty damn complete. And it seems like everybody is thriving and succeeding when they leave Portland. What does that say about Portland?
3: Things didn't make sense, but also CJ was knocked down two pegs in the pecking order. Norm was knocked down from starter to bench. Cove was knocked down from starter to out of the rotation. Nance is a deeper bench piece. Tony mm-hmm. Snell was unplayable. Unplayable. Like that was the thing is that the bargain basement and overpaying for guys and structuring con- like, C.J.'s overpaid. Norm's overpaid. They overpaid for Cov. They overpaid for Nance. Like overpay, 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 overpay. The one thing that the one thing right now that you can say about Joe Cronin, the only overpay he has, quote unquote, is Yusuf Nurkic, and that was the the reasoning behind that was a salary slot. Hmm. And you can do that with one guy. You can. The the Mavs they broke up Christophs Perzingus contract trading him to Washington and they took back smaller deals. Why? Because hmm. they needed number 1 to match the salary, but they needed those salary slots.
2: Yeah.
3: Is Barton's worth $17 million a year? No. But they needed to maintain that salary slot because they didn't have picks, they don't have assets and you had to find a way to recoup that stuff. Yeah. And that's what they did with Yusuf Nurkic and that's why I fully expect that him for him to undoubtedly be on the block and the Blazers to explore, not just because of the salary slot, but because of his style of play being so incongruent with the rest of this team.
2: Awareness coming out of a player that has not had it or much of it up until this point.
1: Star. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Star.
2: Maybe the ayahuasca is really helping Aaron Rodgers. Because he has a level of awareness that uh, is great to see. Aaron Rodgers told the uh, old Pat McAfee show he doesn't know if he's coming back or not, but he didn't go all Tom Brady and drop two F bombs and saying he doesn't know. But he did say that uh, because of the money that he is owed. Fifty nine point four six five million guaranteed in 2023, Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the big parts that makes his contract untradeable (laughs) is because you'd have to take all of that on. And oh, by the way, the Packers would get hit with a 50 million dollar salary cap hit. Um, Or I guess it would be. $40 $40, 40 million just next year um, for the Green Bay Packers. He said today he's willing to, re- he knows that he would need to rework his contract if he comes back. And that is huge for the Green Bay Packers. That comes on heels of reports that um, the Packers are kicking the tires and on trade partners to see if, if a deal could be done with somebody to move Aaron Rodgers. But first, that contract has got to change because you can't do no. it. You cannot. You can't. We talked about this a couple weeks ago
3: this. when it became apparent we were heading down this road. What, yep. was, what was what I said? I I feel like if Aaron wants this to happen, he will rework this. He will. He's got to. And here's the thing: the Packers said they won't trade him within the NFC. Fine. There's no shortage of teams in the AFC that need a quarterback. Yeah. Tell me again. Have you heard this story before? A former MVP-winning, Super Bowl-winning Green Bay quarterback going to the New York Jets.
2: Uh yeah, I have. I've I've seen that. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers going to show his ween to a reporter. Is that what's going to happen? Was was
3: Sturger a reporter then, or was she just a local is hot? She,
2: no, she was a reporter okay. at the time. That's how he got her number.
3: Oh okay. <laughs> I, I, I I I mean yeah. I remember the fallout of it, but I couldn't remember where she was in that pantheon of everything.
2: Ah, and then uh, the. Aaron Rodgers is going to move back to Chico and then rip off the fine taxpayers of Chico, California to build a new, uh,
3: I mean, it
2: volleyball. Gymnasium. I, I would imagine he,
3: there'd be a long list of people ripping off the taxpayers in California, but I is,
2: is he going to go and take over for Kirk cousins in a few years too?
3: <laughs> in like a year.
2: I don't think he would because, uh, he it, it has been so vocal in his disdain for Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah. I, you know,
3: you know where I could see him going in that division, Detroit, <laughs>
2: That'd be great. I don't think he, he and Dan Campbell, I don't think they would they would vibe too well. They could be. It would be, things, intense. it would
3: be one of two things. It would be the worst marriage in the NFL or the best, like the odd couple.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I
3: could see it going one of two ways. But it, right now, without knowing the odds, whatever exists in, in the world, I'm telling you to bet yes or no on Aaron Rodgers being the Packers quarterback right now. Where is your money going?
2: Um, hmm. Miami feels like a, I don't know why Miami. Everybody's saying but, like but the Jets would, or the Raiders.
3: But you're putting your money on him being gone.
2: Uh huh.
3: If I basically I, I, I hand you a thousand dollars, you have to bet it one way or the other. You're yeah. saying he's gone.
2: Yeah. It. Uh, it titans. I like the Titans. But again, there's like no the there's
3: no shortage of teams. There's yeah. five or six teams that you can legitimately talk yourself into. Yeah. As weird as Aaron is, he can go do some ayahuasca up in the hills of Tennessee.
2: Oh, sure can. He'd be great with the moonshiners.
3: Uh listen, I'm just I started thinking about it. Gangnam style and ayahuasca
2: would be a I don't is know. Is that too much? I don't know. I don't I, I thought ayahuasca made you do is just like crap and puke all the time.
3: That's part of the process, but also I think so does Gangnam style.
2: Sure. But this is where this is where it gets uh, crazy though. Is that in this texture says like if they put, trade him post-June 1, uh, then it's only like 16 to 18. No, it's not. It's $16 million this year. And then, and then $25 million the totally, next right? year. Yeah. yeah. So $25 million in 2024 that they'd be paying. And that's where you go, all right, so it's going to hit us over two years. That's why he needs to restructure this thing and make sure that um, the the money makes sense and you don't have these massive dead cap hits for this year. You can't. You can't do that because if you do it pre-June 1st, it's, it's $40 million off the top, and you're sitting there and you're looking at, looking at it right, $40.3 million, um, and you're going, we are in salary cap hell for a year because you're paying a guy and actually losing $9 million to spend in free agency. That's what mm-hmm. would happen. If you if you trade him pre June one and post June one, you it would be still a forty million dollar hit just spread over two years. So
3: if you are the Packers, you say, "Look, man, we appreciate you. You do it the right way, mm-hmm. but we need you to restructure this." And the Packers they'll eat a little bit. They'll probably they'll probably even pay part of his salary. Yeah. But the flip side of this is they're going to pay Jordan, or they're they're going to not be paying Jordan Love to be their quarterback. So they're not going to be out in the long run. They're going to make money. Yeah. As far as being able to reload, and you are going to get some draft capital. It's a win-win
2: mm-hmm.
3: wherever he goes. So the the cap hit stuff, as long as you figure out where it's amicable and you Brady him, you pay him yep. on the back end and you pay him to go somewhere else. You swallow your pride, which the Packers front office has been very bad about doing historically. They either don't pay or they fight and they fight and they fight and then they don't pay.
2: Yep.
3: And I think you you have to in today's world where you've got these quarterbacks that are playing not only great late in their careers, fantastic into their late 30s, that you just got to go, it is what it is. Thank you for the MVPs. Thank you for the Super Bowl. The relationship got weird, but we've got to be pros about this, and it's got to stop being a (laughs) measuring contest at the door.
2: I just I feel Vegas, it looks like... um... I think Brady ends up there. Where you have one, he'll be cheap. Two, he'll have McDaniels. I think that that makes sense there. I think Aaron Rodgers, I don't I don't know if Aaron Rodgers would want New York. Uh,
3: he does he, he can gets, handle it. He could handle it. I think he could.
2: <laughs> Are we talking about the same guy? No The guy who gets bristly with green bay with green bay press. Here's, here's the thing.
3: He'll get bristly. But I don't think it's going to impact him.
2: <laughs> I think he will. He it would. He would hate it. The, the New York media. It, I think he would absolutely hate it there. And so I think he he wants to go to a place where
3: Tennessee, smaller market, Tennessee, slow,
2: Miami. And he
3: is uh, listen. He is a country boy, and yeah. in, in in essence, yeah. I, I could see him being Grand old Opry and vibing.
2: Yeah. I just I think New York would I would love to see it I would love to see it because they 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 are talented and if but if they go through that little rough patch that every team goes through in over the course of a year, well boy, you know he would he does the relax thing now and he doesn't do any <laughs> interviews right now, the media would turn on him with every bad game, um, so I I'm I'm really interested to see where where Rogers ends up because that dude still has gas in the tank and he has value to a team, but the AFC just think of how much better the AFC gets. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of people have, have lost sight of when we talk about the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes and how fantastic he has been. It was Brady and Manning. And then you had Roethlisberger and the Steelers would, would pop up every now and then, but it was Brady and Manning in the AFC for 20 years. This is a different animal now. The AFC has got Allen, Lamar, Burrow, uh, Mahomes. You've got Herbert. They, you got now have Russell Wilson. And now you're going to add Tom Brady, albeit at the end of his career, but where he goes, if he goes to Vegas, you have him with Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs, and his old offensive coordinator, McDaniels, from New England. Okay, And then you're going to add... Aaron Rodgers to that L- look at the NFC man they, like you would have legit eight g- great quarterbacks in the AFC and I'm not even mentioning guys like Tua and Mac Jones and hell Deshaun Watson the scumbag he is he's still playing football haven't mentioned Trevor Lawrence and they're, they're gonna be uh, on the come up there In whomever the Houston Texans take at quarterback uh, with the number 2 pick, whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, we'll have a young quarterback coming up. The AFC is going to be absolutely loaded at quarterback. The NFC, wide open. We know that Green Mm -hmm. Bay won't trade him to the NFC. He's going to an AFC team.
3: And again, there's five or six teams... That's wild. Where you can see this working. And that's why I'm, if you're one of those teams we talked about with Trey Lance, if they move him like if you're one of those teams and you, you've you got an option for Brady, you've got an option for Lamar, you've got an option for Derek Carr, you've got an option for Aaron Rodgers. If you're one of those teams that misses out, Trey Lance all of a sudden starts to look pretty damn attractive. <laughs> Doesn't he, though? Jimmy G does too. And the 49ers are sitting there going, yes, sir.
2: Yep. Oh man, um, that'll be fascinating. You see the the rumor. Um, I saw somebody had a. I think it was an ESPN. Somebody at ESPN said uh, Lamar Jackson to Atlanta. <laughs> like, just bring bring me back to bring early two thousands Vic. yeah. Michael Vick, and there we are.
3: To be honest, I think it's a great fit.
2: <laughs> you got receivers. You got a good tight end. You've got a great one. offensive coach who uh, yep. who's done with the running quarterback before. And Arthur Smith.
3: I mean legitimately, I can picture him in that jersey and look and... I don't know why, but yeah, I, yeah, when dude. I picture... Again, I'm not... Lamar Jackson is is him in that essence of, like, he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, but there's something about Lamar Jackson in a black jersey.
2: Mm. Like yeah. A Falcons
3: jersey, a Raiders jersey, the Black... The, well, Fal- the Ravens. The, the black Ravens black. Yeah. Like every time I see him That's in the purple clean. jersey, it looks weird, yeah. but in that bl- that primary black jersey... You know sometimes a jersey just looks good on a dude? Yeah. Like, I, contrary to popular belief, I thought Tom Brady looked like crap in the Patriots jerseys, but I thought he, like, with the Bucks it looked good.
2: Oh, I was, I thought the opposite. I thought it looked weird. Shocking. I thought it looked, no looked weird. No way. It was 20 years we saw him in a Patriots Still, jersey. Still, it,
3: it, I mean, it, number one, it's an ugly jersey. Number two, <laughs> it just looked better.
2: Easy. Easy now. Um, we've got, speaking of the Patriots, they're, they're boomeranging it back. They're bringing bringing the old band back together again, and Mac Jones couldn't be happier. But I've got a bigger question out of this. First is Russ with SportsCenter. This is
1: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080,
2: the fan. The New England Patriots have reportedly uh, hired... Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, and this is uh, to the delight of their quarterback Mac Jones, who had a defensive coach calling plays this past year in Matt Patricia. And has wait, wait, a- wait!
3: They didn't have an offensive coordinator technically.
2: Yeah, no they they did name they did name Matt Patricia the offensive coordinator, um, but Matt Patricia was. Colin Plays and Joe Judge, a special teams receiver coach, was the quarterback's coach, and it went about as well as you think it would. Uh, it was bad. It was bad. But now they're bringing, one, Bill O'Brien back to New England, where he was the offensive coordinator uh, the first time that Josh McDaniels left the team to be a head coach. And then he left to go be the head coach at Penn State, and then bounced around college, where he was at Alabama. Um, well, he went to Penn State the Texans. And then when he got fired from the Texans, he went to Alabama where he's been calling plays for Nick Saban and has a connection with Mac Jones. He, and they were close um, when they were at Alabama. Now he comes back around and he's going to be at New England. I have no idea what this means for the Patriots offense. I'm more interested in what it means for Alabama because what do we know about what Nick Saban loves to do? Nick Saban loves to bring in coaches who have yes. are hard on their luck and have been the, kind the, of cast the, aside. I, th-
3: I thought you were asking what does he love to do?
2: It is the rehabilitation yes. clinic that Nick Saban runs on his coaching staff. Oh,
3: you kidding me? It's it's the um, what's the the uh, famous place in L.A. Oh God.
2: Betty Ford Clinic. No, no, no,
3: no, no. It's something, something like "Not Castaways" or something like. It's got, it's got a mm. uplifting kind of stupid name. Yeah, but that's what Alabama is for coaches.
2: They really are. He
3: takes former head coaches who are uh, made passages. That's it. Passages In Malibu. I yeah, say. yeah. That's it. He's he's the passages for coaches. Man, you knew that one.
2: You had that quick, Russ. <laughs>
3: um, there, there wasn't a Google machine. I saw you didn't type it. I started to,
2: and I was like, I think I got it. Yeah, no, that's
3: exactly <laughs> what it was. But, no, the, Alabama is passages for head coaches who have fallen down on their luck.
2: Whether it is Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Loxley, now Bill O'Brien is back, and he's going to go to the NFL. What I'm more interested in is who is Alabama going to bring in? Um, because there are plenty of guys. If... Cliff Kingsbury ever books a ticket back from Thailand, going and calling plays for Nick Saban wouldn't be a bad call. Urban Meyer. No, never (laughs) screw Urban Meyer. Uh, Scott Frost, Scott Frost would be an interesting one too. Um, I don't know what Scott Frost wants to do. And if he wants to get back in it, we know he can be a good play caller and they have unlimited amounts of talent and he can suckle at the teat of Nick Saban down there. Mhm. What if he would like Bill O'Brien goes NFL and comes back down to college? <laughs> what if he go Nathaniel Hackett? <sighs> you know what?
3: You know what? You know what in all seriousness? Frank Reich. Hackett might be that might be good for him. To go down there and learn how to be a head coach.
2: Yep. Yep, you learn from you learn from Nick Saban. You just kind of truck along right there. I mean, you're not getting back to the NFL and being a head coach at coming out of Alabama, but
3: no. But you might go back and be a coordinator again. Uh-huh. And you might be able to Belichick it. And yeah. it's always funny when people are like Belichick's one of the greatest of all time. I'm like, you know how bad it was in, in Cleveland. Like,
2: mm. it was a disaster. Very, very bad.
3: Like, if if you into in in, that's the other thing is that well I, Belichick I don't think that wasn't it
2: bad in in Cleveland. Bel- he went to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you know, they didn't have seven teams in each league in the playoffs, and then they fired him. <laughs> yeah, but things
3: he, got sideways for n- numerous reasons, yeah. is what I'm saying.
2: Well, he hated the owners.
3: Which, I mean, and who didn't? Owners,
2: yeah, right? Like, and rightfully, rightfully so. Rightfully so.
3: But what I'm saying is, is it, it, it can come back around. Yep. But you do need to do the rehab tour. You sure do. And there's no better place to do the rehab tour than Nick Saban. Yeah. His coaching... His coaching tree, when it's all said and done, might end up being the most obscene that ever exists.
2: It's crazy, and it's really, he, this guy, his roots really take water from other trees, though, because he gets gets a lot of credit for, guys, that.
3: (laughs) He's a rainforest tree where the roots are
2: intertwined. (laughs) Yeah. The big canopy. He's like, oh, look, Sark and Kiffin. It's like, no, you can't take that. Kirby Smart, yes, I'll give you Kirby Smart. Dan Lanning? Dan Lanning? I'll give you Dan Lanning. I'll give you, I, I would I would put that on, that's a big old trunk that Kirby Smart's going to have off of that that Nick Saban tree. And Dan Lanning is one of those because he coached at Alabama and at uh, Georgia with, with Kirby, obviously. He's got a lot of really dang good coaches. But the guys like Kiffin and, and Sark, that's from also the Pete Carroll tree there at, at USC. When Pete Carroll's tree
3: is also another one that is surprisingly yeah. big. Yep.
2: Yep. Oh, this text, 503 250 Saban's wife's uh, name is Terry, so Bama's coach rehab is often called Miss Terry's home for wayward coaches.
3: My God, that's beautiful. Alabama, bless your hearts.
2: Yeah. Yep. Man. All right. Uh, That's going to be the big one, though. Where does Bama go for their offensive coordinator? Because let's also be honest with something here. Kirby Smart there is, there is a lot of truth to what David Pollock said that made Nick Saban very uncomfortable and very upset before the national championship game, or I guess it was halftime in the national championship game right now. Georgia runs college football in Alabama. If you are going to take that crown again, you've got to knock it out of the park again uh, with your offensive coordinator hire. And we're going to see where Saban wants to go. Um, because th- this is going to be a big hire for them. They need a dynamite play caller in there. You don't have that wiggle room anymore. They used to because it's not just Kirby Smart at um, at Georgia. you have got Brian Kelly is at LSU and they had a pretty good year and went above expectations, especially at the after the start that they had. Josh Heupel just got nine million dollars a year to be the uh, ex- on his extension at Tennessee and Tennessee appears to be trending back in the right direction. And then you have Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, which, look, are they going to be a behemoth? No, but they're going to keep on uh, plugging away, and every couple of years they could have a big year. And then if Jimbo Fisher ever figures it out with his—you want to talk about Miss Terry's home for wayward coaches. I don't know what you want to call what Jimbo's got going on with Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin at uh, Texas a m
3: That one I would call the dirtbag home, dirt home for wayward coaches.
2: yeah. Yeah, that's that's like a, a halfway house of sorts. Um, I feel, that I, the feel guy like, I feel like
3: that's that's being generous or, or demeaning to halfway houses.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm sorry, halfway houses. You didn't <laughs> deserve that. Not at all. Um, <laughs> the ultimate Saban rehab job would be Brian Ferentz. <laughs> what if he goes <sighs> and gets an iOS OCs? Just like you know what
3: turns him into a god.
2: I'm gonna. Yeah, I want a challenge. I'm going to go Brian Ferentz. And that's the thing, that all these wayward coaches, the reason why he brought them in is because they're really good football coaches, first and foremost. Oh, man. 503-250-1080. Put a bow on Tuesday. Get you set for Wednesday. This is Danny and Dusty on the fan. Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan. Such a good song, Johnny number five. Five is alive. Short circuit. Oh,
3: classic! Why is it? Why is it not thrown on like TNT regularly? and
2: Short Circuit too? It's on Sci-Fi every now and then. Is that what this? Okay. it is? Okay, Sci-Fi. Yeah. Which
3: one was shot here? Was it two? Number,
2: number one. one. Yeah. Yeah. In Astoria. J Five
3: is alive. Is the number one. Johnny
2: number five. And then uh, he, number two, they go to New York where Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your, your face. Los Locos kick your, your balls, balls into, into outer space. space. It's Fantastic, uh, with Johnny number five joining a gang. Yeah, you want to know what gang I'm afraid of? The one with a robot in it. Duh. Great movies, uh, and the uh, you will never no have way. that movie play again. We will never have number three because of the cultural appropriation of the doctor in it. White guy playing an Indian guy, yeah, no, that one, yeah, I'm not gonna deal. play anymore.
3: The guy that voices Frank the dog in Men in Black is J5. Oh really? Now, I wanted to know. I was like, "Oh, who
2: is that?" But yes, he—he he is the voice of Johnny Number Five, yeah. huh? So he's a voiceover guy. Dang, so good. Uh, little note here: McDonald's All American Game. Yes. Boys' roster has been announced. Yeah,
3: um, and it's got dudes on it.
2: Yeah, uh, Bronny. Like a lot of guys that we've seen at the Les Schwab Invitational here, like uh, from this year's game, Bronny James and Ron Holland from uh, Bronny James from Sierra Canyon, then Ron Holland from Duncanville. Uh, Texas, uh, he is going to be there. But also last year, Omaha Blue uh, from the Link Academy, he is on, on the team. Um, and Jacoby Walter from Link Academy. DJ Omaha
3: Wagner Blue. on the east side, who is Dewan Wagner's son and is one of the top players in the class.
2: Yeah, how about uh, that? But Oregon commit you, Mookie Cook. Well, or, Oregonian Mookie Cook. There you go. Uh, the front, now at Arizona Compass. Uh, prep school down in Arizona. He was a Jeff product. He was. Mm-hmm. He's a Portland kid. Um, that that's the note is taking M- a few of those guys. Mookie Cook is is a McDonald's All American. So that's pretty awesome. It that's, is. That's really cool that uh, when you see those local guys make that. And Ronnie
3: has got his list narrowed down to Ohio State, Oregon, and USC.
2: Look at that.
3: Uh, honestly, I think it's down to the Pac-12 schools. That's. Good. I don't think Ohio State is actually factoring into this. It's either being in LA or. Being with Nike.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what he's going to uh, do. Also, Peja
3: Stoyakovich's kid, Andre Stoyakovich, All-American, he will be at Stanford next year.
2: <laughs> wow. He's smart a smart kid. A, he's a smart one. He's a smart kid. But he's
3: also a stone-cold killer. Man. Hooper.
2: Peja Stoyakovich playing in this era, iteration All NBA. of the NBA. All nba He would have been so damn good. Just an assassin. He was...
3: Him, Rashard Lewis, and Sean Marion would yeah. be, b- b- and Andre, Andre Karolinko. Those are the four guys I go to. They would be some of the best players you'd
2: ever seen. He would. He was so automatic, and it was just like, no, you can't do that. Six like, foot ten
3: with a ratchet.
2: Why? <laughs> he would be great. Just absolutely obscene. Uncle Cliffy would be awesome in this iteration yes. of the NBA, too. Uncle yeah. Cliffy would Six be. Six foot ten
3: dudes who could put the ball down, defend, ba, ba, ba. knock down shots in this league. Who buddy.
2: And they used to shoot from a mile away in the early nineties too too.
3: Those long twos. Yeah. So for reference, Pesha Stoyakovic was a career forty-five forty ninety
2: shooter. Yeah, it's high. In that NBA. It's okay. I mean I guess it's fine. Look at could yeah, imagine that now. How much more volume he would get and how many of the Mid range jumpers that he was forced to take because of the air that he, he was played, taking and he, five
3: and a half threes a game for his career. Hell yeah. He,
2: eight. Would, he would be at 11. I want eight oh, at he, least. He'd be 11. He'd be 11.
3: He'd be up there with Damon Steph. 100%. <laughs> he was hell chucking yeah. back then.
2: I know. And those Kings teams were the were the ones that you always wanted to play on the video games because you, oh, you had J. Will, C. web Peja. Good. Lottie.
3: I mean, good. No, Paja yeah. was a.
2: To. Video games where you could smoke cigarettes at halftime with Vladi. Oh, that, Vladi, what? Vladi, we
3: likes to party.
2: God, hell yeah! <laughs> we, oh, yeah. we need
3: more, we need more professional athletes hitting heaters at halftime. Uh,
2: well, I I don't remember who it was. It Maybe been Mimetto Krew. Yes, he was, he was a uh, he,
3: uh, cigarette and an espresso.
2: Yeah. Yep. Halftime.
3: Uh, uh, coach. <laughs> Um uh, what is it
2: was at the Memorial. Remember when they played the pre mm-hmm. game at the Coliseum? Burning heaters on the loading dock of the Coliseum. Well, you, and
3: much like these
1: elite professional athletes, I too back in my indoor soccer <laughs> rec league days yeah. would check out and go suck
3: down a heater. I'm trying to think of who it, who it was.
2: Is there a video of that? Can, can <laughs> <No>. I, <Yes. laughs>
3: this is like turn of the century. Steve Kerr used to tell the story about Ku Coach <laughs> in um in Chicago. He would order this huge meal. And smoke a couple cigarettes, and he said, "And he's like, how do you prepare for a game?" Da, 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 da. He goes, "I take a large crap." Mm.
2: <laughs> Who doesn't? You got to unload.
3: <laughs> but I mean, some guys eat a little bit. Like, uh, you gonna have the, can't be carrying around a bunch of there. extra weight. I, no I, way, man. I, I saw a bunch of the Blazers players before the game last night, all eating chicken and pasta before the game.
2: That's right.
3: Little protein, little 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 carb. But mm. like, we're talking crazy food. And then, ugh, man,
2: guess you got to do what you got to do. Oh man. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Ryan Horvat will be on for a conference championship. Release. Unless they catch me for burying bodies. Which, after our 1 o'clock segment, probably high likelihood of that happening. You're never going to catch me. Um, well, authorities, go to the Les Schwab Tires <laughs> podcast at 1080thefan.com or right there on your Odyssey app, and uh, you can find out how Danny Delete, delete, delete! <laughs> incriminated himself earlier. Have a great Tuesday. See you Wednesday. Up next, we got got primetime with Isaac and Souk from 3 to
3: 7. Bye! From jail.